0: Father we do uh thank you once again for the opportunity just to gather with brothers and sisters. And Lord we're blessed, we're blessed that uh, we're able to do this. Lord, and I'm not just thinking about just the freedom, just that we're able to do it. We're able to get here. You give us ways and and thank you and thank you that we can meet with one another and encourage and strengthen one another. And I do pray that your word God would affect us in a significant in a significant way tonight that God you would move mightily as we look and, and uh, uh, read and try and get some understanding to Peter communicating to that generation God, I pray that it would it would feed back to us and and that uh, Lord as, as they were encouraged and strengthened by his words again, I pray it would work in our lives whether we're struggling or whether we're doing really well that God you would you would bring us to right into your presence where, Lord, we can be changed and we can grow and we can fall more in love with you. So bless this time, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we continue, uh, it's been a while since we've been in Peter. Some of you guys were gone for a while, so uh, catching back up as we think about what's going on. Remember, Peter is writing to a church that's struggling and I think I think he's writing to a specific church, and not sure which one, but they're they're having a hard time, and Peter has spent some time so far just encouraging, especially as we started uh, chapter, ended chapter two, into chapter three, talking about just being Christians. How do we function at work? How do we function in marriage? And then he kind of shifts into how do we just function under stress and and under persecution. And now he's just kind of continuing that theme. I'm not sure chapter four is a good break as far as a chapter break because he's just continuing talking to us and especially about this idea that doesn't matter what's going on, we're still Christians. Doesn't matter if the world is gonna come against us, we still need to walk with God and we still need to trust him. So that's kind of the whole theme of of what's happening with, with Peter and what he's writing. And what an encouragement. So think about tonight, I want you to think about your life, maybe you've had a bad week, maybe you had a good week. Maybe somebody like yelled at you for being a Christian, maybe they didn't, but we've gotta walk with God daily. And we need to realize that and we need to make that part, hey, we need to think about it, not just, listen, when you get born again, you just don't get on autopilot and you just go, you've you've gotta take steps. And so Peter's letting them know, you guys need to make sure you're going to do this. So in verse 1, he says, therefore, right? So what is therefore, right? The, the, why is it therefore, therefore? We've got to look back. So he's been talking. Listen, and he's been talking about Christ and his suffering for our sin and, and bringing us to that relationship. So now, listen, he's telling us that's supposed to mean something, Again, it's not just a ritualistic thing we go through or a religious experience. It's supposed to mean something. So he says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, there's some complications. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. I think Peter is just, you know, in my mind, he's just writing to people. He's just sharing his heart. And then brainiacs get a hold of this stuff and they're going, well, what did he really mean by that? And I'm thinking, why can't, just, why can't we just read our Bibles and go, oh, that feels good. Why do we have to try and stop and analyze it? And if you remember, last time we were here, we, we had to figure out who he was talking about when he went and talked to those who were disobedient, the spirits who were disobedient, had to kind of figure out that. Now we got to figure out, what is he saying? What is he really saying here? And again, I think it's simple. He's saying that Christ suffered for our sins. We know that. And that he suffered and died, right? Paid the penalty for our sins. And when, you know, we could interpret the last part two ways. When Christ paid the penalty for our sin, he was done with sin. Right? Not that he was sinning before, but once he paid that penalty, it's done. What did he say on the cross? It's finished. finished. So I don't think that's that complicated. But also he can be letting us know that we need to be done with sin. If we're born again, that should be a reality in our lives. So how do we do that? Well, that's where we get into the middle. So therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, right? We know that he went to the cross and he died in the flesh. Therefore, here's what he says, arm yourselves with that same mind. What is he telling us? You and I need to listen. We need to put on the mind of Christ. We need to be people who we're willing, listen, we're willing to to be people who are going to recognize the fact that sin no longer has has a, a, a strength in me, sin no longer can bind me, that I've been set free from the bondage of sin. I love the idea that Peter, you know, Peter must be kind of that warrior type, and he says, listen, man, Arm yourself with that. Put on the mind of Christ. Remember for a while, it was a few years ago, everybody, uh, not everybody, a lot of people did the WWJD thing, you know, and wearing the bracelets and stuff, and and, you know, that was was kinda cool, but uh, you know, it doesn't help to wear a bracelet and not mean it in your heart. You know, we can have all of our Christian stuff. We can wear crosses, we can wear Christian T-shirts, we can do all that stuff. But what is really going on? And here's what Peter's saying. You gotta arm your mind. It starts here. I believe the greatest battle we have against sin is right here. And we gotta get a hold of that and arm our minds with that same. So here's what I know. When Jesus said it is finished, it's finished. The bondage of sin in my life because I died with Christ, it is finished. And I need to know that. And I need to walk in that, and I need to believe that. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. Listen, man, fix our eyes on Jesus. Why do we look sometimes to the world around us, and we're gonna get more into this rather than looking to Jesus. And, you know, I believe if we're all honest as believers, we kind of get messed up that way. And we allow that to happen. We, we kind of get off track, right? So the first thing, I, I, when I when I read this, I think of Paul, right? Put on the armor of God. And where I start, man, I gotta put on the mind of Christ. So don't just wear a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? Live a life that says, here's what Jesus would do. Amen. And do that thing. Begin to do that thing. And it's important. Whenever I, whenever I think about that, I have to share with you guys. Whenever I think about that, I had a dog that started that whole fad of WWJD. He had a little tag on his collar that said WWJD way before Jesus, way before the bracelets came. I think somebody must have seen him and started the whole thing. But Rocky would evangelize our whole neighborhood. People would call me and say, your dog's at my house. And I'd say, how do you know? And they'd go, what would Jesus do? That's my dog. And I'd go get him. But listen, it's gotta come from our hearts. And it starts here, it starts with our thinking. What, you know, I wanna put on the mind of Christ. I want to walk in that. Now listen, now Peter is going to develop that. So he says, listen, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Oh, oh, see, now I need to realize something. Number one, all of us have this thing called time the problem is we don't know how much time right could end tonight or it could go on for years but we don't know but here's what he's saying he's saying that you and i need to be sure we no longer live the rest of our lives for the will of men living in the world don't let the world creep in and drag us into and mold us into its form I think it's really hard in our culture. In the American culture, that's a difficult thing because it's around us, and I know it's around everybody all the time, but sometimes it seems in some cultures you could isolate yourself a little bit easier, and we're inundated, right? Every place we go, so we have to decide, and, and you know, all of us are gonna have different things that tug us that way. Some of us, it might be material things. Some of us, it might be pleasurable things. Some of us, it might be addictions. We got all these things, and the world keeps tugging on us, and here's what, what Peter's telling them and telling us, that we need to listen. We need to be people that we put on the mind of Christ so that we no longer allow that to come our way. Have you noticed when, have you noticed when you're in a room, and it's dark, and you first walk in, and, and I'm, pretty, I'm pretty blind in the dark. My wife always teases me, like, I'm going through, like... And she goes, what are you doing? I can't see. And she goes, why not? And I go, because I can't see, that's why. But have you noticed, over time, all of a sudden, you can see everything? And you adjust to the darkness? Oh, think about that spiritually. As we walk, think about spiritually how darkness comes and if we're not careful we will adjust to that darkness and we'll adjust our thinking our behavior to that darkness i believe that's what peter's telling us we need to be we need to be people who are really careful about that and watching out about that and again all of us are going to put up listen all of us are going to put up things in our lives in different areas like i said there's you know darkness is darkness but some darkness affects some people some darkness affects other people so he says listen we need to we need to make up our mind that we're not going to be people that we're not going to live the rest of our time in the flesh for the lusts of men but for the will of god direct our lives find out what god's will is desire his will now i know again that's always the huge question How do I know what God's will is for my life? And again, you've got to start someplace. And you start in that place where you recognize what his will is that's revealed in Scripture. He gives us all through Scripture, here's my will. As I begin to yield my life to that, then you can find a more specific will but I'm not even sure that Peter's talking about specific. I think he's talking about that general revelation of God that I desire, I want to live for God. I don't want to live for man. I don't want to get caught up in the world and and do what man thinks I should do. I want to get caught up in Jesus and do what Jesus thinks I should do. So Paul, listen, Paul, Peter, Peter's telling us, focus on that and get in that place. So just as he starts this, You kind of get the idea that Peter's really concerned about that church getting drawn into worldliness into the world's ways. I think it's interesting because sometimes we think this whole idea of being drawn into the world is a 20th or 21st century or thing that that just happened. Sin is sin. Flesh is flesh. Whether you're in the first century whether you're in the 21st century, we're battling the same thing. Hey, maybe it has different clothes on, but it's the same thing. So Peter's saying, watch out for that and be people that you're gonna live for God. Now he gets very specific. And this may step on some toes, but it's okay. In verse three, he says, we have spent enough in our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. So let's just stop there. I don't know everybody's testimony in this room, and I don't know when you came to the Lord or how old you were, but I look around and I see a lot of people I think are kind of like me. A lot of us came to the Lord later in life. I came to the Lord in my 30s. We came later in life, and obviously these guys did because they didn't have an opportunity before. So listen to what Peter says. He says, hey, you lived that old life. And he says, here's what you need to do. You need to understand. You spent enough time doing that in the past. Get away from it. Walk away from it. So you did that, letting them know. And again, for some of, some of us, maybe, maybe not. We don't have that testimony. And that's a good thing, too. But he says, listen, we spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness lust drunkenness revelries drinking parties and abominable abominable idolatries that's quite the list right i think it's kind of interesting that he just kind of like he hit very specific things and oftentimes in scripture sin is more generalized peter hit some very specific things for that group of people and maybe for some of us tonight, but here's what he's challenging us. There are specific sins that we know that we were caught up in that we need to despise in our lives. Quit walking. You walked in that. You were part of that. So I'm gonna define these just a little bit and and not get into great detail because I don't think we need details. But listen, lewdness denotes a Excess of all kinds of evil. And I think it's interesting he just uses that term, right? He says, first of all, we walked in all kinds of evil. There was all kinds of things going on. And again, I don't think, some of us weren't as bad as we could be. And so we kind of justify that. Well, I could have done worse. (laughs) Well, of course you could have. So that makes it okay. No, we walked in that. And it was ugly. And until it's in your heart that that is ugly, and listen carefully damaging you're not going to despise it just think about that so so lewdness kind of is a a more general term lust is a comprehensive term and it's it's you know talks about depraved cravings and inner vicious desire of our fallen nature so lust could be after anything it's not just sexual he's going to get into that but it could be after a lot of things So he says, You walked in that. And some of us, listen, some of us more struggled with that than other things. And then he tells us, Listen, drunkenness. Now, there's a term that, you know, it's interesting. It only occurs, this specific Greek word only occurs here. It's talking about, and I I think it's plain, it's talking about drunkenness. You don't walk in that, you don't do that anymore. Some of us remember, some of us remember how it damaged relationships, what it did in our lives, what it did to people around us, how we hurt people through that. And don't forget that, here's the thing, the flesh likes, wants to diminish that and make it fade away. And what's sad is sometimes people remember the pleasure of sin, but not the destruction of sin. Sin destroys. And if you think about your life before Jesus, you know that you were on a path of destruction. So he brings up drunkenness, he brings up revelries or orgies, meaning, you know, festive gathering that turned into sexual uh, activity and stuff going on, just uh, just gross parties. Does this kind of sound like the United States of America? Kind of sounds like what's going on, right? And here's the thing, man, you and I have to battle against that, and we're going to get into it in a minute. our culture's all about that, and we have to say no to that because we know what it did to us before we were believers and how it affected us so so you have that, you have that sexual activity, then you know he has carousing or and which is drinking parties again, this is only used here and then it kind of culminates in this whole uh, abominable idolatries. And again, it's a devotion to false gods, but not just necessarily. I don't think in America we have a bunch of worship of false gods, but we have false gods that's going on. And again, it can be sex, it can be drugs, it can be alcohol, it can be all those things. So here's here's what he's saying. Don't forget what that did to your life. And don't get used to the darkness. are you are you kind of amazed at where we are at as a culture? What is now acceptable? You know I, I can remember I can remember my dad saying these things. They would have never done this when I was a kid, right? And how it changes and and you always feel old when you make that statement. I can't believe where the culture's at today, and it's like but I really can't believe where the culture's at today. It's crazy, and we've moved so far, listen, we've moved so far that as Christians we have to say, am I getting used to the dark? Am I beginning to accept this? I'm really concerned for the church in America. Not not you guys, but the church. I'm concerned. Because there's becoming this tolerance and we have to be acceptable and we have to be people because why? Because the dark is so dark that it's influencing and we're going well we're not way over here but we're here but compared to 20 years ago we're way over here and we need to be careful. Sin is sin. And we can't, listen, we can't change it. We can't make it sound nicer. We can't make it sound acceptable. We've got to be people who we are willing to understand and admit how ugly it is and that we need to stay away and we need to run from it. We need to put up boundaries in our lives. You know, again, I have sometimes people come to me and I know they're not, they don't say this outright, but here's kind of what they're saying. How close can I get to sin without sinning? And we need to know, that shouldn't be the question, right? We should be saying, how far away from it can I get? How far opposite from it can I get? Can I guard my heart and myself against it? And again, I don't want to be, I don't don't want us to be a bunch of legalists and and angry people. I want us to be cautious people, careful people. I'm not going to let that creep into my life. I'm not going to let that get close to me. I'm going to stay away from that and therein comes the caution. You don't have to try and make everybody else stay away from it because we can tend to do that, right? We can tend to put our convictions on other people. I have convictions that God has to work on me that you may not need those same convictions. So listen, here's what he's saying. We We need to be people. We spend enough time doing that and then, listen, he spells them out, but check this out, verse four, in regard to these, They think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. I think he finally gets to what he's wanting to talk about. Here's what he's saying. You and I need to put on the mind of Christ so that we don't do those things so that we realize I'm done with sin. I'm finished. And we need to put that mind on. We need to start walking in that and we need to start realizing here's some things that are evil and gross and and horrible that will destroy us. But listen carefully. The world now is going to come against you. The world is going to hate you for you taking a stand against that. Huh. This kind of sounds like what's going on in the 21st century. Hey, Christian, you can't take a stand against that. Everybody else is tolerated except the Christian point of view. We have, listen, we have a point of view, we have a right to have that point of view we have a right in our country to believe that things are wrong and things are right we have a right to name sin sin we don't have a right to necessarily condemn somebody that's the holy spirit's job but we have a right to say that is wrong and that is not right and here's what he's saying when you do that they think it's strange i'm sure you've heard testimonies and maybe some of us have even lived it You know, you're doing drugs, you're being a crazy, you know, uh, 20-something or 30-something or 40-something or 50-something, and you're doing those things, and then you get radically saved, and, you know, sometimes parents would rather have you on drugs than be a Christian, right? What happened to him? And they're upset. And even in some of our lives, some of us, listen, some of us, we've lost relationships because of our Christianity. People don't want to be around us. People don't want to get near us. Some of us, our families, think we're, we're, you know, off on a tangent and we're a little bit whacked. Well, we are that, but... But do you hear what he's saying? They're gonna come against us. Why are they coming against us? They're coming against us because, listen, part of our suffering as believers Is the world coming against us? And too often, I think we as believers, we're shocked when the world doesn't agree with us. And we should be, listen, we should be shocked when the world agrees with us, right? We shouldn't be shocked. And again, I'm not saying we need to be belligerent or ugly, but we need to be people that we need to understand, we're gonna get pushback. And it's gonna come, some of it's gonna get real heavy. Some of it can get intense. You know, and and we need to be willing to accept that. I've said before, in our our ministry here, there comes a time where I can't teach against homosexuality and against some of the, you know, transgender stuff that's going on, I guess I'll go to jail. Because it's what the Bible says. And we need to be people. So some of the pushback can get tough. Some of it's just, some of it's just like minor. Hey, I don't like you anymore. I'm sure all of us have had friends that come and say, I don't want to be around you anymore. They didn't care when you were drinking and ruining your life or, you know, whatever, but now they care because you're walking with Jesus. So here's what Peter says. What are you going to do? Are you going to take a stand, Christian, or are you going to get used to the darkness? you Are going to adjust your eyes? We need to decide, and we need to make a choice. Now, he talks about those who come against us and then he says this in verse five, he says, and this should help us out a little bit they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I think we should feel sorry for the people who are coming against us and the people who are mocking and making fun of us. I think we should understand they are going to be judged someday, and we should have compassion. And I think if that really hits our hearts, we can have a lot more compassion for them than just being people who, hey, shut up, don't talk to me that way. We can say, oh man, you're going to be judged. They're going to face the judge. In Acts chapter 17, it says this because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. By the man whom he ordained, he has given assurance of this to all of us by raising him from the dead. Jesus is coming back. And he's going to judge. Now, you guys, if you've been around me, you know I really want Jesus to come back. But I kind of want him to wait a little bit. Do you have any loved ones that aren't saved? I'm glad he waited for me. And so we have that dilemma where we're praying and reaching out and we need to understand some of those very people who are coming against us. They are going to be judged. So don't listen, don't get all freaked out. It's okay. It's okay to get pushed back. And we need to be kind of people who we're going to love those who are pushing against us. So then he talks about judgment. Now here comes the statement that you'd kind of wish sometimes Peter wouldn't write some things. Verse six, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. What is he talking about? It's like and again i I don't see it real complicated, but I understand listen you come out of, come out of chapter three he's already talked about preaching to the spirits, you know, and you're going, "Where did that come from?" And we explained that you can go back and 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 get the the, the teaching on that I don 't want to get all caught up into that again, but now he says this, and this is where they take out out of chapter <clears throat> they take it out of chapter three, where verse eighteen and nineteen and twenty and then they go into this, and here's what they say. There's a second chance. That's not what this is saying. There's not a second chance. When you die, it's over. The writer of Hebrews says it clearly, right? And it is appointed to men to die once, but after this face judgment. So if that's true, what we know he's not talking about is that Jesus is preaching, or anybody is preaching to dead people. So we can't take care of dead people. You can't get baptized for dead people. You can't do enough candles for dead people. All of the things, I think of all the different, you know, sects and, and and cults and stuff, that you light like candles. When I was a kid, I went to a church, you light candles for dead people. When, you know, you do all these things, you can, you know, in a Mormon church, you can get baptized for dead people and kind of take care of them. It's a, And they get it out of, they get, you know, and pervert places like this. It's not what he's talking about. The Bible's very clear. After you die, you face judgment. So I know he's not talking about second chances. So what is he talking about? Well, some people say when it says that he preached, you know, it it says, for this reason, the gospel was preached to those who are dead. Some people are saying they're dead spiritually. But he just said dead physically in verse five, right? He just talked about dead, dead. Not almost dead, but dead, dead. So I think he's using that same term. I think he's talking about physically dead people. So I don't think he's talking about, listen, because everybody's dead spiritually till they, till they come alive. So I don't think he's talking about that. What is he talking about? I think he's talking about the same thing that Paul had to address. Remember in that generation, this is the first generation of Christians They're believing in Jesus. And here's what they're believing. He's coming back. And remember the Thessalonians? Thessalonians, Thessalonians, or Nikans. (laughs) Remember, what was their dilemma? People died, did they miss the second coming? Are they gonna miss? And remember, Paul had to talk to them about that. And he had to let them know that some are going to die christians were dying physically dying i believe what he's talking about are those who were preached the gospel to and died and some of them faced the judgment of men some of them were persecuted some of them were martyred that's the judgment of men but they're made alive in the spirit why because they believed in jesus before they died are you with me He's talking about those. Hey, the gospel was preached to them before they died. And again, people wonder. Even today, people will wonder. People will ask us all the time. What happens when a person dies? When a believer dies, what happens? My favorite thought is their last breath on earth is their first breath in heaven. And they're in the presence of Jesus. And that's comfort for our souls. That's comfort for us. And we can believe that. Why? Because it's what the Bible teaches. So obviously Peter's not talking about, listen, he's not talking about, you know, second chances. He's not talking about, oh, good, I get another chance. He's talking about, listen, the gospel is preached to those who are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. Men may judge you. Men may hate you. Men may kill you. But they can't take away your salvation. They can do whatever they want, and the worst, I think the worst they can do is maim us. Like, that's always my biggest fear about things. Like, I'm not afraid to die. Well, I'm afraid of the process because I haven't done it. Once I do it, it'll be easy. <laughs> but like, I'm afraid because you just don't know, right? Just, but but I'm, not, I'm not afraid of where I'm gonna end up. My biggest fear is getting maimed, like really bad. You know, it's like, and, like, if I'm ever in an airplane, I think it's going down just crash hard. Just make it bad, right, or, or something. And, and, you know, I've been in several car wrecks, so I don't think I'm going to do any more of those. So, you know, I've, I've kind of I've done them all. So, you know, got that out of my system. I've wrecked a cable car in, in Israel. So I'm thinking, you know, the maiming part might be over. What's the worst they can do to you? Man, they can't take your salvation. Do you hear what Peter's saying? So here's what he's saying. You got all these guys coming against you and they're coming at you, but they can't take away your salvation. And you and I need to understand, listen, and we need to understand death is not the ultimate. Judgment is. After death comes judgment. And if you've given your heart to Jesus and you believe in Jesus and you've trusted in Jesus, then you're good. If you haven't, and you're hearing me right now, right now would be a good time to do that. Right now would be the time to take that opportunity. So Peter's writing to a group of people that are struggling in their faith. And he's not coddling them. He's not telling them, hey, look, it's all gonna be okay. 'Cause sometimes we do that, right? Even sometimes when we're singing some of our worship songs, I love to I love to sing about the glory of God and that He's gonna move mountains and, and He's gonna get things out of the way. But sometimes He just doesn't, does He? And we gotta walk through Him. And we gotta cause He's because he's working on us. He's fixing us and, and we need to know that. And I love to think about victory. I mean I always want the victorious part. I don't like the I don't like the I don't like the suffering. You know, I don't think many of us want to write a song, oh, I want to suffer for Jesus. Give me more. I mean, that's not a great worship song, right? Might write that, Rob. Take notes. But we, usually, we don't go that direction because our minds don't want to go that direction. But here's what I know, suffering builds faith. And suffering can bring you closer to the Lord. It can push you away, but it can also bring you really close to the Lord. They're struggling. How do I get through this, Lord? How do I work through this? And they're struggling with the world coming against them, just like we are, you know, 20 centuries later. We're struggling with that same thing. Maybe different clothes on, but same thing. How do I get through it? I put on the mind of Christ. I put on that mind of Christ, and I realize who I am in Christ in Romans chapter six, Paul goes through the whole thing. If we, we died with him, we were buried with him, and we rose with him. Therefore, since we died with him, we have been set free from the bondage of sin. And we no longer have to sin. And so you and I, here's what he's telling this group. You guys believe this. Don't just read it as scripture. Hide it in your heart. Put on the mind of Christ, stay away from the ugly, and make the ugly uglier. I always pray to God that he would make sin horrific to me. I want to look at it as a monster that's trying to destroy me, not something that I want to go pet and play with. And so that's where we need to be. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do thank you. I thank you for this challenge that we have here as we look at this. And, and God, how, how you bring to us the reality of who we are in Christ and what that means and what that looks, looks like. And not just, not just quote, theory or, or just words to say, but that we can really put on the mind of Christ and understand because you suffered in the flesh you died to set us free from that bondage of sin and we know that if that's true that we no longer have to sin and I pray you'd give us that right perspective even right now even tonight Some of us are in places where we're we're, we're really close, we're playing around, We're, we're petting it, we're trying to get close, and God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts right now. Move mightily and make us run from it. Make us distance ourselves from specific sins. Bring them to our minds right now as we're standing here and that we would confess those and lay those down and draw close to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us enough to work in our hearts that way. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for just a little bit longer, and maybe you're here tonight, and you realize maybe you've come for a while or maybe you're visiting, and and tonight you know that, hey, you've never taken that, that very first step to come to Christ to allow him to work in your heart and work in your life, to come to the place where you recognize that you need this thing we call salvation. God has convicted you and you know tonight that you've sinned against a holy God. If I'm talking to you, there's freedom from all of that. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord and the Bible says you will be saved. And by doing that, you have to come to the place where you need him, where you realize, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And that tonight, you ask him to forgive your sins to come into your life. If you want to do that, I'm going to say a prayer and and just lead you in a prayer. You can say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently. But the most important part is it's got to be sincere. If you're backslidden, maybe you just got, like, got away for a little while and God's calling you home, then you know what? You can say this prayer with us. Come home, come back, front slide. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer in your home. You can call on the name of the Lord right where you're at. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now I'm gonna ask you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.